0: This is the Under the Sun Podcast. Your home for news,
1: analysis, and interviews from around Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. Now, here's your host, Jake Griffith. What is up, everybody? I'm your host, Jake Griffith, and you are locked in to the Under the Sun podcast, where we cover everything under the sun as it relates to Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. We've got a great show on deck for you. The commissioner, Keith Gill, jumps on the podcast. We also talk to Marshall women's basketball coach Tony Kemper, and we hear from James Madison beat reporter Shane Metlin, because, man, those Dukes on the men's and women's side, I don't know if there's a program hotter in Sunbelt, period, than James Madison. Talk about a great start to Sun Belt league play! What an exciting weekend on the men's and women's side it was. Let's start on the women's side and let's take a look at the conference standings because there are three teams that started Sun Belt play unblemished: James Madison, Marshall, and Southern Miss. Just like we all predicted it, right? The three newcomers to the Sun Belt, all two and zero. JMU in the process taking down Old Dominion, who started 0-2 to Sunbelt play, just 8-7 for head coach Delisha Milton-Jones and the Monarchs, who have lost four straight. James Madison has won nine consecutive games. They face, coming up in the second weekend of league play, a Marshall team who at 9-4 has won four consecutive contests. That should be the premier matchup on Thursday night in Sunbelt women's basketball. Southern Miss... Also streaking as well. They've won four straight games. And then Georgia Southern, Texas State, Louisiana, Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, Troy, App State, and ULM all at 1-1. and They split the opening weekend in Sunbelt play. James Madison, just one of 10 basketball programs in NCAA Division I this season to have at least – One win streak of nine or more games. That is very, very impressive. Those Dukes, I said it last week on on last week's podcast, there is no team on the women's side hotter than James Madison. These Dukes right now rank third in the Sun Belt in both scoring offense and scoring defense. They are putting the clamps on 56 0.5 points per game allowed, meanwhile scoring 72 points per game. But you know who's the second best scoring defense in the Sun Belt? Well, we mentioned their name just a minute ago. It is the Marshall Thundering Herd. On the women's side, Marshall holding teams to just 55.5 points per game this season, Tony Kemper's bunch has done a fantastic job of stifling the opposition. They're the 27th best scoring defense in the country, 62nd best field goal percentage defense. And as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, they've won four consecutive games heading in to a massive sunbelt tilt at home against JMU on Thursday at 6 p.m. Marshall Women's Basketball Head Coach Tony Kemper joins the podcast now. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time and starting to get into the, the dog days of conference play. I know it's uh, it's getting busy. Uh, that it is, you know, and um, it's actually – I wouldn't
2: call it the dog days yet. There's still quite a bit of excitement. We're in week two, and, um, you know, I know our team is excited to get home. And uh, we were uh, – we found a way to get to last week in tough environments, and we're, we're really excited about the opportunity to play in front of our – our own fans I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: Well you mentioned the excitement early on your team 9 and 4 overall but perhaps more importantly 2 and 0 to start conference play in a brand new league. What would you say the secret to success has been for your team so far? Uh
2: we've been pretty good on the defensive end to this point in the year and and I think growing, you know, and and maybe last weekend was a really good indication of that. Uh, those were two very different teams that we played um and uh so they stress your defense in, in different fashions. And, and so I guess our ability to kind of guard big, which is what South Alabama is, and then uh, and then chase around a bunch of guards and be able to do both with with success, I think, is important to this point in the year. and And I also look at, you know. The the South Florida game, that, that's a really good offensive team. And we went to their place, and what, they scored 73 or something like that. And um, I, I thought that we had some individual performances. You know, I guess that's one of those games where I knew they were good on film. And you look at their scores and the teams, I mean, they they probably possibly should have beat Ohio State, you know, right after that. So they're playing with the the best teams in the country. And uh, I thought we went down there in in their environment and really to hold them to 73 was pretty proud of what we did defensively. So that's got to continue to be a thing, but we've got to grow on the
1: offensive end. And I think our team knows that. Marshall, the twenty eighth best scoring defense in the country, we have head coach Tony Kemper from Marshall Women's Basketball on the podcast. Coach, you and I talked before the season started about the 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 number of transfers that you've been able to bring into this program and kind of remake the team in the off season. What has impressed you about this newcomer group? Uh, I think probably just you know we were able to reload talent. We we had a
2: good talented team last year and you know we went 10 and 8 in Conference USA and we started really well that the side that we were in is really tough and you know I'm not sure that we really got beat by bad teams last year to finish 10 and 8 in that league and um and we basically you know for the most part we lost all of our scoring and all of our rebounds now we returned some players like Kia Sibbles, which I knew was going to be really important and she's really um expanded her role from past but You know, our staff did a great job of going out and finding players like Resheala Scott who can just get baskets when you need a basket. And uh, Abby Beeman's been great. I think Mo Matthews has been exactly what I thought she could be. Um, I I thought it was a big loss last year when we lost her to an Achilles at the beginning of the year. And I think that's proven to be correct when you watch her play this year. and you know, we but we also have a lot of role players, some of them younger. Tara Harness hit a big shot the other day. Um, and I could kind of go on down the list. We've had we've developed quickly a deep team, and uh it was probably not without challenges when we were no new in the offseason we were rebuilding, but the portal does allow you to to uh get to watch them play in division one games. So you get to watch row, get baskets against Belmont. You know, and and that's something that I absolutely watched. I watched her play well against Belmont, you know, and if you know women's basketball, you know that that's not an easy thing to do. So I knew that we were getting a
1: player that was capable of doing some of the things that you're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. You talked about Abby Beeman a minute ago, the transfer from Shepard of the Division II level. You went to Fort Hayes State. I went to an NAIA college at Lindenwood Belleville. We're both small college guys. Do you think small college hoops gets the respect that it deserves? I think coaches
2: know they can play. I'll tell you that. I I mean, and I think that people at those at a place like Fort Hayes state, I think people know that there's good players that come through programs like that. And, and Abby has proven quickly that she's fine at this level. And, um, you know, she probably, you know, there's, I guess there's now different paths and I think her path is probably one that we'll see more, you know, which is she, goes some she decides to go somewhere and play a lot early, and and then maybe end up for for multitude of reasons. You know her coach left uh, Shepherd for a different job, and uh, I think she looked at it like it's not a bad time for me to see what else is out there too. And uh, but she developed playing games, and we've got some freshmen right now that are going to develop playing a little bit, and they're going to work really hard in practice. And I like their work ethic, but it's kind of just a different path to hopefully the same end game, but Abby, uh, Abby could play. You could see it when you watch film um, and and you quickly saw it when she got here. And I think she's going to just continue to get better and better as well. The The longer she's here and the more she's comfortable um, at this level, but she's talented. She's got a real nose for the ball. You look at her numbers they're They're good in all facets and she's athletic. Um, she makes plays for others. That's really been helpful for this team.
1: I covered JMU men's basketball last week and their head coach, Mark Byington, was on the radio talking to the fan base saying, you know, hey, here's what to expect from Sunbelt. You know, it's it's kind of gritty, grinded out. You know, there's a style that this league plays it, through two games. What would you say the style of Sunbelt women's basketball is?
2: Yeah, that's a good question and probably one that I'm if you ask me that at the end of this year, I'll answer it better. I mean, I, I think that – I do think it's fast – a little bit faster than what we're used to, um, but I also think, just like last week, I mean, those were polar opposite games. One game was attempted to get us really sped up. Um, the, the South Alabama game was pretty um, possession-oriented from both teams. Uh, I think this weekend is is going to be pretty fast-paced in here when you look at what Georgia Southern's done, and then, you know, obviously James Madison – Uh, Right now, if you look at all the metrics and what they're I think they've won nine or 10 in a row, Um, you know, right now they're playing better than anybody else in our league. So and they're a good offensive team with really talented offensive players. So um, I think generally speaking, it's pretty fast and athletic. And then there is um, here and there teams that are kind of going to be bigger and and slow. I think Southern Miss is really good this year. Uh, They've always had good post players. Uh, we don't play them for a couple games, so I haven't really watched them um, on film much this year yet. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be a good mix of, of different styles and and a little bit of pressing here and there. Troy is the best offensive rebounding team in the country, I think. And that's been a thing for multiple years. So, um, you know, you just have little challenges like that from game to game that are that are different. But we're learning. I mean, it, there's no question where I kind of popped. I kind of popped the tape in and I learned different things.
1: (laughs) You've spent six years as the head coach of Marshall women's basketball, but prior to that you were on the coaching staff as an assistant for those that may not know about the Marshall story, what Marshall is like, you know, what is, uh, what, what is it like to work at Marshall? What's the, the herd family as they call it really about? Well, it, it, this is a really unique place and it's got a, It has a
2: soul, I think, that is uh, unlike almost anywhere else. And a lot of it stems from, uh, you know, the We Are Marshall movie, I guess, the story of the plane crash and stuff like that. I I think that's definitely a major part of who we are as a community and an athletic department. That is uh, kind of the story about, you know, going through the process of coming back from that is something that kind of permeates throughout. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this this place is really passionate about martial athletics and i think it's i think it's very unique for mid a mid-major but maybe we found ourselves in a league that has more schools like us where you know i've been at other places where we have uh we kind of have fans when the big state school is not playing you know this place is not that way You, you either like marshall or, or you like that other school in in the state? There's not a lot of crossover, and I do think that that's highly unique for kind of a, a program in our profile, and and it makes it really fun to be a student athlete here.
1: And I said it on last time. week's. I said it on last week's podcast that you know a lot of people look at the moves with the Sun Belt as oh football only, but you look at the ripple effect it's had on other sports, and you talk about maybe like-minded schools kind of like Marshall. I think it really across the board in every sport. I think it's really, really strong, the, the regionality of it, which, you know, I'm biased. I love college sports. And I've always felt like regionality is what makes college sports so great amongst the passion and the pageantry.
2: Yeah. Well, I think you're right. And I, I think, I think we got regional institutions, and we also really have passionate institutions as yeah. well. And that, you know, that's not always the case when you're kind of looking in the sweet spot that we're in. Um, sometimes there's city schools that there's a whole bunch going on in that place, and and that school can kind of slip through the cracks. That's not what what we're in anymore, and uh, I'm really excited about that and and growing, um, rekindling rivalries. Um, I talked to uh, to Katie Pate who did the the color on the game down at Appalachian State about you know, just our fan base and being really excited about that matchup, you know, we've got to do some education with, with our players that, I mean, they don't remember the times that our fans do, but I think that that's coming back, you know, and I, I think like our men's program, I, I heard the crowd on Thursday night for the Appalachian State game was great, you know? And so I think quickly that we'll figure some of that stuff out. And and it's something that I'm really excited to go through the process of, of getting in this new league and, and uh, seeing what people
1: do and how they play and, and creating some good rivalries within it. Very reminiscent of the old Southern Conference days for a lot of people in Huntington. We've got head coach Tony Kemper of Marshall Women's Basketball on the podcast. Coach, not only are you a basketball coach, you're a dad as well. What is that like balancing being a D1 head coach with all the moving parts that come with college sports, but also a family as well? Yeah, it's uh it's a lot of fun. My my kids are at great ages. I've got
2: 13, nine, and seven. Um, you know, a long time ago I got a I got a great piece of advice from uh a mentor, Eric Duft, who's now the head coach of, of Weaver State on the men's side. He told me that uh you can do this job well and have a family, but when you're home, you gotta be home, you know. And uh that is absolutely correct. Um, you know, I did not go. We played Appalachian. I stayed, I guess, at two o'clock on on Saturday. I didn't have a big wild party for New Year's Eve. I went home. My kids stayed up and saw me, um, congratulated us on two good wins, and uh, we did our own little little Happy New Year at eleven o'clock Eastern Time, and and went to bed. So it, I've got a really supportive wife. She's a professor here at Marshall. Uh, she works her tail off to make it all go for me. Um, and I think all those things are important, but, um, it has gotten, you know, this Thursday, we, we, we play what is a really big early season game. And, uh, my wife is very torn. We've got a seventh grade basketball game at Ironton, um, for, for Braden, who's our oldest at the same time that we're tipping off. So, um, there's some tough decisions that we didn't have last year that we got to figure out a way to make all that stuff happen. So, um, but they're fun challenges and, and, uh. it's an enjoyable
1: part of it. One thing I've always felt like you've been known for and covering your program, you have really nice suits. You dress really well on the sidelines. What is the secret to a good head coach outfit, the nice fitted suits? Well, we, we, we are competitive casual here at Marshall Dow.
2: so I don't really wear the suits anymore. I've got, I got voted out um, (laughs) from our staff voted us down. Um, But I, you know, a long time ago, the story is a long time ago when I was at central Arkansas as an assistant, we, uh, we won the league, we won the Southland. And with that came a little bit of a bonus. And I went, uh, I was working for a guy by the name of Matt Daniel, who also, um, usually dressed pretty well. And he's like, you need to get yourself a tailored suit. And he had a guy in little rock and I went and got a tailored suit and, uh, that was kind of the start of it, but if you if you buy one that's fit for
1: you, then uh, it usually looks pretty good. And you never go back to once you get that nice fitted tailored suit. It's like a different different thing. I agree. I
2: agree. I've I've been so I have a couple different ones from a couple different companies now, and I'm I'm I would say the first one I got fits the best. I will tell you that that was done by a a human, not a computer. The the ones that I have now work pretty well, but they're not quite as good as that. That uh, I guess that guy in Little Rock did it pretty well.
1: Well, shout out to him. You know, it's something we joked about before we started recording this is the, the ice cream or the cookies after victories. You know, kind of walk me through, where did that come from and, and how has it stuck around for so long?
2: Well, I stole that from somebody. I mean, <laughs> it, it's a great idea. I saw it on Twitter. And, uh, you know, road, road wins and basketball, they're extremely hard. Mm -hmm. And, and I also think that, you know, I have a, I have a tendency to always want to teach multiple lessons in wins and losses. And sometimes I don't celebrate them like I should, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter how you got it done. Just enjoy the fact that you got it done. And, um, you know, oftentimes when you're sitting there and I, through the years, I've really I've really cut down my postgame talks. I don't say much anymore um, at home. We usually huddle on the floor um, and we we go tell our fans thanks. And a lot of that comes out of just get rid of the emotions of what happened. Most of the time, you don't know what you're talking about anyway. You got to go watch it on film. Um, but. I think that that always helps keep me grounded. In let them celebrate the fact that they they got it done, and and uh, they love it. Um, they love dessert, and uh, I don't often let them have it, so um, they get those dubs. They they can uh, they can get a cookie, they can get ice cream, and then we we like to share that with everybody when we can remember. So we we had one of those at South Alabama. I just forgot to to have a
1: get it online. <laughs> I'll get you out of here on this one, Coach. And and I talk to her a lot just because I see her a lot now. Shayna Gore is a graduate assistant at uh, Indiana now. She played for you during her time at Marshall. How proud are you of her and her growth going from player to now coach?
2: Yeah, it's neat to see, you know, and she was a fantastic player here. Um, And I think the thing that I'm most proud of is like she's one of many that are now out there doing things. And um, I think Shayna knew that that basketball was important to her. And I also think that she understood that going to a place like Indiana, um, having that opportunity to kind of go learn a different style, a different thing was really going to help her grow. And so um, I'm really proud of her for obviously their program is unbelievable right now. And I know she's learning a lot and it's going to prepare her for the next step. but like i said i think the most important thing to me is like she's one of many you know taylor pearson who played with her she's in medical school here at marshall uh we've got kennedy Colclaw on our staff who's doing really good things for us right now and i could i mean i could continue to go on down the list um we've done well academically here people know when they sign here that that's important to me and then when you give us everything you got we're going to try to help put you in good situations um, like Shayna's in right now. And then you got to make the most of those opportunities. And I think
1: that she has obviously done that in Indiana. Between Shayna, Kennedy and Taylor, you almost could put together like a support staff of uh, of alumni, you know, a team doctor, another coach, another <laughs> coach. Uh... <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're right. Hey, listen, I my finder's fee is free, so don't yeah. worry. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, Coach, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Best of luck this week with a couple big games, and uh, we will see you down at the conference tournament. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Switching gears now to the men's side, because just like on the women's side, it was a fantastic opening weekend. Four teams start off Sunbelt men's play unblemished. Southern Miss, James Madison, Georgia Southern – and ULM, all 2-0 atop the Sunbelt Conference. Southern Miss and James Madison, 13-2, 11-4, respectively. After that, you've got Marshall, ODU, Arkansas State, Troy, Georgia State, and Coastal Carolina. Perhaps the biggest surprise right now, Louisiana. 0-2, despite a 10-4 record. They lost against Coastal Carolina, and they've lost three consecutive games. No Sunbelt men's team has a longer win streak than two. Southern Miss, James Madison, Georgia Southern, and ULM, all currently with two game win streaks. Southern Miss... Doing it with defense this year, 61.3 points per game allowed. We had their head coach, Jay Ladner, on the pod last week, and he lauded his team's defense, saying that he felt like this may be the best defensive team that he's coached in his career. That's not to say that they don't have good offensive players, though. Austin Crowley claimed the Sunbelt Men's Player of the Week had a career-high 30 points. In that victory against App State, shot 61.5% for the entire weekend in wins against Troy, and the Mountaineers had 17 points in the win against Troy. These Golden Eagles, the 29th best scoring defense in the country, 65th best scoring offense, but James Madison, you want to talk about scoring offense, the Dukes are burning the Nets up right now. They lead the Sun Belt in points per game, averaging just a shade under 90 points per game, 89.7, which would be, if that holds up, the program record for highest points per game average in a single season. A huge victory on the road for James Madison against Marshall this past Saturday. Here is what their head coach, Mark Byington, had to say after the game.
3: Uh, well, I thought it was a heck of a game. Um, you know, the, the, the Sun Belt should be proud about the, the level of competition. And, and this is a, a tough place to play. I mean, I, I don't think they've had a single-digit game here all year. And to be able to win here, I'm really proud of our guys. I thought we showed toughness. Played a game with Alvado Morris. Also played a game about Julian Wood and important guys. But we're a deep team. And, and, and guys stepped up. Xavier Brown, uh, Mezzi stepped up um noah fredell stepped up so we had a lot of guys step up and make plays to get, get it done
1: you were able to really get marshall kind of out of system offensively you ran them off the three-point line held them to under 30. what's been the secret to success on your three-point defense this
3: year? yeah i mean they got two tremendous three-point shooters and they got a couple other guys coming off the bench and and you know those guys can make tough shots and and so we just wanted want to try to stick with that we didn't want any open looks unfortunately they got one right from the jump ball we made things a little tougher on them after that, but they're one of the best offensive teams in the country, and we thought to have a chance, we're going to have to guard, and I thought our guys did a good job today.
1: You go into the new year in a new conference now, 2-0 heading into 2023. How crucial is that heading into 2023?
3: Well, it's great to get road wins, and they're not easy. And um, to win at Georgia State and win here is not easy, but uh, we're on to the next game, and it's, it's a long season. Uh, I'm happy nine of the next 16 are at home for us. We you want to talk about a positive note, but um the challenges keep coming in this league. And um so we got to keep getting better, fix some things, and then keep improving. Shane
1: Metlin, the beat reporter for JMU men's and women's basketball from the Daily News Record joins the pod now. Shane, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk about JMU hoops. Yeah, no problem. I thanks for having me. So we'll dive right into it. I, I think. Perhaps the most impressive addition to the Sun Belt and really probably the most impressive athletic department as a whole has been James Madison with volleyball, men's soccer, women's soccer, football. And that has extended into the winter with JMU men's and women's basketball. We'll start on the on the men's side. A huge win took down Marshall over the weekend, started conference play 2-0, and and their depth really shone through playing without their leading scorer, Votto Morse, in both games. How impressed have you been with JMU's depth this season? Pretty impressed. And I expected them to be deep. Just, you know, you look at
4: what they brought back from last year, really among their top rotation players, they only lost one guy to graduation. They didn't really lose any transfers that they were dying to keep. And then they added a couple transfers. So, I mean, you do, they had probably at least 10 guys who could play. I think the question was always going to be, okay, how well do they gel? Does everybody kind of accept their role? Are they going to be able to handle all this? And so far they really have. I mean, they've had eight different leading scorers this year and people seem to be completely fine with that as far as, you know, just what the expectations are for them game to game.
1: What do you think the secret to success has been defensively for them? I I know – you know, coming into that Marshall game, 90th in the country in scoring defense. They've done a really good job of locking down the three-point line as well. 43rd in three-point defense.
4: What do you think the secret to well,
1: success has been?
4: I think it's, you know, a lot of it is the depth that we were just talking about. Is You've got some guys who it's just sort of in their nature to be really aggressive on ball defenders. Uh, Terrell Strickland's like that, or a. Um, uh, to call Molson is like that Tyree and Nacho. We're seeing more and more of him. as He gets healthy. He's also kind of like that long arm big guard who likes to get out and disrupt things. And when you've got that many guards who can really put pressure on the perimeter, they're not too worried about foul trouble most of the yeah. time, If they're, you know, even close to healthy and they really just, you know, they body up on people. They get physical in the backcourt um, and, that's the style of play they want to play, and they've really been able to do it so far this year.
1: Noah Friedel is a the guy they bring in from the portal. Transfers from South Dakota State. He was a really good three-point shooter, 39.2, uh, a season ago with with South Dakota State. This year he's turned in some some up and down performances. Had a twenty-three point game against Howard, but then you know, single digit performances, held scoreless against Coppin. But the last two games, thirteen and fourteen respectively, how important is he to JMU's long-term success?
4: I think he's he's pretty important and he's I mean it's not that surprising. I think that he's come in and been a little bit streaky as a shooter. I think probably the biggest surprise is um he's kind of fit into that defensive mentality that we we're talking about before. Um, he's been really aggressive on that. He gets after loose balls. He does some things, even when he's missing three pointers that I don't know that me personally, you know, my familiarity with him coming in was largely based on, you know, highlights on YouTube and things like that. I expect him to do as much when it came to, uh, you know, just getting after loose balls and doing some things away from the ball and on defense that he's done so far this year. I think that's probably been the biggest surprise. And if he gets hot and starts shooting 40% from three-point range, he could really be uh, a big-time factor. If JMU wants to try to win the conference.
1: Changing gears now to JMU women's basketball. The Dukes 12-2 and two on the women's side. They've won nine straight games. Nobody is hotter in the Sun Belt Conference. They took down Old Dominion, a familiar foe, 68-54, a huge win. ODU picked to finish second in the preseason poll. What has impressed you the most about this JMU team and what Sean O'Reagan has done this year?
4: They're finding a little bit more balance. Um, You know, we we expected that from the men's team. And uh, I I thought they'd have some depth on the women's team, but they're finding more balance offensively maybe than I expected. Uh, They were, so dominated um, going through Kiki Jefferson on offense last year. Uh, basically, everything ran through her. and She's finding more help. Uh, Peyton McDaniel is a really good three-point shooter. Healthy after missing most of last year. Uh, she, she's been she's been big addition. And uh, Susha Kozlova, a Russian transfer from Middle Tennessee State, seems to really fit into the offensive system better than she did at Middle Tennessee. And, um, you know, she's just been really good here the past handful of games. She's scoring double figures almost every time out, had a career high 24 the other day. She's, you know, physical in the paint, has really good post moves and really, I mean, there have been other people stepped up, but really just adding those two pieces to kind of give them more variety on offense has really made a difference so far.
1: Much like their their men's counterparts, the JMU women's team, 39th in the country in scoring defense. I, I'm curious, Shane, is it something in the basketball building that says both teams have to play hard-nosed, tough defense? Because, I mean, these are two of the toughest defensive teams, maybe in America.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I think it, it probably kind of reflects what the administration was looking for when they hired the two coaches. I mean, that might be possible. Probably- part of the similarities they also um they play in front of a pretty good home court advantage um, the the men have been really good at home um, since they've moved into the Atlantic Union Bank Center and fans have been pretty excited to go see that new arena and everything here the last year or two um, but they've always also played um on the women's side it's a women's basketball program that has a long tradition going back quite a ways and um uh, They've always played in front of pretty good crowds, even when they were in the old, kind of outdated uh, convocation center. There's a a pretty good local fan base that just enjoys women's basketball. It's the fourth winningest program of all time, behind you know the likes of Tennessee, UConn, Stanford. Um, so the tradition is there. The it's an itch sport, maybe even in Harrisonburg, but. The niche is large enough that you can count on having a home court advantage for the basketball. Court. Maybe they don't in a lot of places, and I think that picks them up on defense sometimes when they're playing at
1: home. You know, you talked about that rabid fan base, and that's interesting because I, that was something I talked with Keith Gill about just a minute ago when the commissioner came on the pod. Was about the regionality of the Sun Belt and and how you know you you have this sort of super tight knit, passionate conference full of uh, you know diehard fans now, and I think people don't necessarily realize just how passionate JMU fans are. And so do you really feel like JMU fits into that sort of template of, you know, tight knit, like you said, super hardcore, passionate fans? I
4: do. And it's, you know, it's even interesting. i talking about this on uh, when I'm on the Fun Belt podcast with those guys sometimes. And, you know, they're those guys that host that are from Arkansas, Louisiana, and in the middle of SEC country, where some of those programs, are overshadowed a little bit. And there's something about the geography topography of Virginia, where JMU is kind of isolated on the other side of the mountain from UVA and the ACC schools in this state. And so they've kind of been able to own their region. The Shenandoah Valley. Like you, you see more JMU uh, license plates and Sweatshirts and things around here than you do Cavaliers and Hokies, which I don't think is always the case for schools with the same kind of, um, you know, to be a mid major in a state with some, you know, major programs. But that's not always the case, but there's something about kind of being isolated in the mountains to think that allows JMU to just kind of be be a bigger deal locally. I think.
1: Well, Shane, thank you for taking the time to come on the pod. You can follow Shane and his work at Shane underscore DNR sports on Twitter. And let me tell you what, I, having covered the JMU men's team just last weekend when they played Marshall, they are an impressive bunch. And I think the sky's the limit for this, the, both of those JMU basketball programs.
4: Hey, well, thanks for having me on.
1: Back in March of 2019, Keith Gill was named the 6th Commissioner of the Sun Belt Conference. 25-plus years in collegiate athletics. Prior to that, was with the Atlantic 10 Conference. Across his career, Gil has worked for the NCAA twice, Vanderbilt, the A-10, as we mentioned, Oklahoma, American, Richmond. He served on several NCAA Division I committees, and perhaps... Gill, the hero of realignment this year. He and the Sunbelt Conference pulled off a massive coup, grabbing four really good schools. Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill joins the podcast now. Commissioner, I know with the holiday season and being on the road, I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you taking the time to jump on. No,
0: it's great to be with you, Jake, and um, I appreciate you having me.
1: So we'll dive right into it. Uh, I want to start by kind of going back a little bit to the summer, you know, July rolls around, realignment takes place. You add four new schools, Marshall, Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and James Madison. And there were a lot of people out there that said these are great moves, but these are football moves. We're now getting into conference play, and both on the men's and women's side, we're seeing just how much those additions have bolstered basketball in the Sun Belt. Did you know when you added those schools that they were going to pay dividends in, in different ways other than just football?
0: Yeah, you know, we, we really thought that we were adding great schools with great programs. And so,
1: now, I'm not going to sit here and say our, our focus wasn't football when we were thinking about putting
0: these things together because we really wanted to have a successful football program and good fan bases. But we did think it was going to really help us across the board. You know, we knew we added quality baseball programs, quality softball programs, and then to and, and soccer as well. But to your point... We knew we added good basketball programs. I mean, obviously, if you look at ODU women's basketball mm-hmm. and, uh, and just the, the historical stuff they've had, certainly their men's basketball um, has been great historically. You know, Marshall was in the Sweet 16, I think, four or five years ago. Um, you know, obviously, JMU invested a lot of money, has a, has a great new facility, um, and, and certainly their men's and women's basketball programs are off to a great start. And then, obviously, Southern Miss. Men's basketball program is, you know, right up in terms of net scores and 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 um, and one lost record. So um, I, I certainly knew that we were adding programs that were good at a lot of different sports and not just football. And we're seeing that play, We saw that play out in her. We should kind of play out um, in
1: basketball as well. I had Marshall women's basketball coach Tony Kemper uh, on earlier, and he talked a lot about the regionality of the Sun Belt and how he feels like it's a lot of like minded schools, you know, passionate programs, college towns. You know, I'm a college guy. I, I I have always loved college sports, and I have always thought that the regionality, the pa- excuse me, the passion and the pageantry are what makes college sports great. Do you see that with all these Sun Belt programs now that, you know, it's a really strong regional league and, and it has that passion? Absolutely. You know, I mean, that was really, you know, the regional piece and the regional rivalries was a big part
0: of our philosophy of realignment. And um, so, and we can see that play out in terms of the crowds just because there's interest. Um, you know, the, the, Fans of School A know the schools that they're competing against because they've been competing against them for a long time. And they're all within the same region. They're all within driving distance so they can go to the games. And so this kind of regional rivalry piece has been really an important part of what we try to do with our realignment uh, philosophy. And I think it's paying dividends across you know, all the sports. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the more interesting things that I think has happened during uh, basketball season was the announcement of the Sunbelt Mac challenge. If you could, could you kind of walk me through how that came about and, uh, and how do you think that will positively impact the league going forward? Yeah, you know, we're really excited about our partnership with the Mac
0: um, and men's and women's basketball. And, you know, we actually been working on trying to get a challenge for, you know, three or four years, you know, since I started is one of the things we were really trying to do. And so it was great, um, you know, when I was having a conversation with John Steinbeck the commissioner of the MAC, about it. And, and, you know, we realized that there might be some common interest there. And so we sat down to figure out, you know, what might make make sense um, from the basketball standpoint. So uh, I think it's great because I, you know, the Mac is a great basketball league. So it gives us a chance to have some really good competition I think it helps us get more home games, which we're always seeking, because, you know, in, in Division One, you know, the home team wins 70% of the time, right. and so the more home games you get, the better opportunities you have to have success, and then I think also the, the great thing is just the, the quality of the opponent, you know, the Mac's been, you know, a really good basketball league, and so um, that will help us in terms of um, just our aspirations for basketball, because we want to be better, and. We think we can be better, and there's room to improve. So, I think it's great from a standpoint of you know they're a quality league to play against. So that's great. It's going to help us get some home games, which is um, which is really helpful. helps us and helps us be successful. And um, and and I just think it's fun. You know, anytime you can have competition within competition, um, you know, I, I think it, it creates a, another level of excitement.
1: You mentioned James Madison earlier. I'm going to talk to Shane Metlin. He's a beat reporter for JMU men's and women's basketball uh, later on the podcast. Football has a bunch of success, and now their women's basketball team has won nine straight. Their men's basketball team is the highest net-ranked team in the Sun Belt. I I mean, has it really surprised a lot of people down in the league office just how good James Madison has turned out to be?
0: You know what, so fortunately, so I was AD at Richmond for five years, so I, I'm super familiar with James Madison. So I'm not surprised by it at all. You know, they, they have a great program, Jeff Ford, and uh, President Alger has done a great job in terms of investing and, and growing that program. So James Madison's success, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, also, you know, just, you know, they their men's and women's soccer team were both in the conference finals this year. Their women's volleyball team won the conference. Um, you know, obviously the football team's had success, the basketball team's been playing pretty well. So I'm not surprised by that one bit. You know, I, I, I got the seat up close when I lived in Virginia, uh, when I was at Richmond, and um, so I'm not, I'm not really surprised. And hats off to j um, you know, because they've made this experience just in the right way. You know, they've been playing for this for a long time. They've made the right investment, and, um, and it's really allowed them to have success Really.
1: Recently, it was announced that one of the Sunbelt's partners in Hercules Tires is going to donate a dollar for every made free throw to a student-athlete and mental health services. I know there's been a lot of emphasis lately in collegiate athletics about mental health and the importance of it. How did that kind of come about? Yeah, you know, I mean, we have been, we, and we continue to look for uh, opportunities
0: to, um, one, shine a light and, um, on mental health and those issues, just so people, we just want to make sure that we raise awareness, um, kind of in that space, and then also to try to find um, opportunities to create um, additional resources. And unfortunately, um, Hercules Pi has been a great partner of ours, um, and um, and they, you know, they're the title um, sponsor for our football and our um, basketball championships, and, and, and they have this program, and so they stepped up and offered us this opportunity, and we think it's great. It's a great way. Um, to shine a light on a really important issue um, just because we want to make sure that we provide all of our students and really all, all the students at our schools whether the student-athletes or, student athletes or, or they, they don't participate, mm-hmm. you know, the resources they need to navigate what is a really complicated and, and difficult life, you know? And, and, and so mental health services is a really important part of that. We want to, you know, destigmatize it and make okay. sure people know what resources are out there. So really critical uh, um, topic for, you know, colleges and just society in general right now. And we're really happy to partner with Hercules um, as, uh, as, as we shine light on a really important topic.
1: You may be biased, but do you think the Sun Belt has the best location for a conference championship for basketball, getting to play hoops at the beach in March?
0: <laughs> yes, this goal is awesome. You know, they've been great, you know. I mean, we really have appreciated that partnership as well. Um, and, I mean, you raise a good point. You know, spring break in Pensacola. Right. So, you know, how bad can that be? But, you know, it's also a great facility. You know, our schools like it, our fans like
1: it. They've done a good job supporting it. So, you know, it's hard to believe, you know, the tournament is like seven weeks away. Um, which it's is unreal. Yeah, you know, that really is right around the corner. So, we're we are um, we're really fired up to be back in Pensacola. Um, great support. And I'm um, looking forward to a really exciting tournament. It's just—I mean, literally—the conference slate just started the other day, and you're right. I mean, seven weeks away from the start of the the conference tournament. Well, Commissioner, I really appreciate you jumping on and taking the time.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and um, yeah, have a have a great um, rest of the year, and i look forward to seeing you in Pensacola if not the tour.
1: It's time now for probably my favorite part of the podcast, and it's the Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod. A tip of the cap to our friends over at Her Hoop Stats, the number one site for women's basketball statistics just a little bit about Her Hoop Stats in case you don't know who they are. Uh, according to their website, they aim to provide consistent, reliable, and easy access to data about women's basketball. Her Hoop Stats was launched in 2017. I've used it since as a broadcaster. It is a fantastic tool in covering the women's game. Like I said, good tip of the cap to our friends over at Her Hoop Stats. Follow them on Twitter at Her Hoop Stats on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. Or Instagram. They also have a newsletter you can subscribe to. They have a podcast as well. Shout out to Her Hoop Stats. Well, the Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod. It was rebounding last week, and guess what? It's rebounding again this week because the Troy Trojans lead the NCAA in offensive rebounds per game 22.5%. Offensive boards per game against D1 competition. Against D1 foes, they average 50.3 total rebounds per game, which is the third most in the country. Shout out to preseason player of the year, Felmus Koranga, 7.8 rebounds per game, which leads the way for the Troy Trojans and head coach Chanda Rigby. Troy doing it by... Cleaning the Glass Effectively, those Troy Trojans, currently though 1-1, one 6-7, and, one, six and seven, trying to right the ship as we head into conference play. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Under the Sun, and a special shout out to our guests this week, Tony Kemper, Shane Metlin, and Commissioner Keith Gill. It should be another fantastic, exciting, every sort of adjective you can think of, weekend in the belt. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Under the Sun.